Welcome to episode number four of Flipping Awesome Podcast. Every week we choose a theme and share some of our experiences, as well as some real world stories of real estate investors based on that theme. This week's theme is let's do this. I'm your co-host Heather Foss. I'm a licensed real estate agent in the state of Minnesota with Remax Results. And with me is my co-host and producer, Marshall Saunders. Hi, Heather. How's it going? Not too bad. Yeah? The market is hot. Things are awesome. We are... We're crazy, but yeah. but it's the same as it was last year. You know, you just get on your horse and go with it. Is the amount of supply up or down? We're still seeing that shortage that we did the last few years. Buyers are battling it out. It's a little bit chaotic, not going to lie. So what's this show all about? Whether it's rehabbing or flipping homes, rentals, vacation rentals, duplexes, triplexes, big, huge, multi-unit complexes, whatever it is, by bringing you the story of real people who have made real investments in all sorts of real estate, we want to make you better informed and hopefully entertained. Be sure to check out our webpage, flippingawesomepodcast.com, or like our Facebook page, by searching Flipping Awesome Podcast. And hit the subscribe button on whatever podcast source you find us on and be sure to rate and review Flipping Awesome Podcast. Please, please rate and review Flipping Awesome Podcast. Uh, today's episode is called Let's Do This. What does that mean? Well, it's talking about the attitude or the mindset that goes into any investment. But of course, today on this show, we're talking about real estate investment in particular. Heather, what are your thoughts on the attitude that someone needs to have to become a real estate investor. One of the foundational mindsets that somebody needs to have when entering into real estate investing is that they're going to take on a second job. This cannot be something that, oh, you sat down and watched TV last night and thought it was a good idea, or you really like going through Home Depot kind of thing. It starts with, I'm looking for a second job because it's time-consuming, financially, emotionally. It's going to take a lot of resources to get things running. That worst is when you're really working hard and you realize, I have to work really hard and I have to do this as well as possible so I lose the least amount of money. Right. <laughs> this, this isn't about making money anymore. Uh, you know, something's gone terribly wrong with this rehab, and now I'm just trying not to lose every last dollar that I have. You go from, I'm not even making money doing this, I'm not even volunteering, I'm now paying to do this. Right, right. <laughs> this is my, my form of entertainment now, yes. <laughs> I did write a book about uh, the mindset of investing called Mindset, Methods, and Metrics. Uh, so I, I've done you know a bit of research into the whole mindset, and I break down if you are ready to go into the world of real estate investment on a level uh, that is physical, mental, and financial. On a mental level, I talk about what's your risk tolerance? When you have some money on the line, does that keep you awake at night? Does it stop you from eating? Does it affect your everyday life? When you have just a bit of money out there or there's a possibility that you might lose some money or, you know, God forbid you are losing some money, is this going to ruin your life mentally? If it is, you've really got to analyze that in yourself before you go into real estate investing because this might turn, you know, something that you think might be kind of fun into a nightmare. On a financial level, 
you have to analyze if everything goes wrong, is there a way that you're going to get out of this without bankrupting yourself? If everything goes wrong, there's, you know, we joke about it. Oftentimes it goes right. These investments go well and you make some money and it's great financially or at least, you know, good financially. But sometimes let's say this whole thing goes awry and I can't get the project done for the amount that I have budgeted. Are you going to be able to withstand that blow to your finances? Not that you're going to be happy about it and not that it might not hurt you for a while, but that you are able to withstand it. If you are absolutely simply not able to withstand it, then you're probably, what's the saying, out over your skis. You're, you're, just, you're risking a little bit too much at that point. And then physically, not only does that talk about your physical level of uh, ability, like climbing ladders and getting on roofs, which is part of it, you know, even if you're not doing the work, even if you're contracting out for everything, you have to be able to look at the work that the person has done on your roof to make sure that they've done it at, to your satisfaction. So you need to get up there and you need to be up in the attic to make sure that the person who did the insulation has actually done their work. But then also the physical part comes into what is your job and how close are you to this job site that you're working on? If the people at your job that you might work at from nine to five, if they don't allow you to leave from eight to five and you're not able to ever go out and meet with any uh, work people uh, on the construction site or on your flip, then physically you are kind of barred from kind of having an interactive life. You can't necessarily do that all the time after hours or on weekends. So just something to keep in mind. If you have bad knees and you can't get down on the ground and do some grout or do some work because sometimes people don't show up to the job, sometimes you got to do stuff on your own. If you have no physical ability to do that, you need to factor that into whether or not you're going to become a real estate investor. So I ask people to look at financially, mentally, and then physically, are you adept at this and are you ready for this responsibility like you said this is this is like taking on a different job this might tax you more than a normal nine to five job i i completely agree i mean one of the biggest mistakes i made when getting started was the physical part of not being there like i was too trusting and i wasn't physically there often enough i i should have been there every day to check to see what that contractor intended on doing and then going back to see if they completed what they intended to do. But I was a little too trusting and I was only there a couple times a week. And what started out to be a four-week job ended up being an eight-week job because some days they didn't show up and, you know, I wasn't there either. And so the availability of just physically keeping people accountable, whether you have a general contractor or not, is so important because every day is is a dollar. That's one of, one of the biggest mistakes I made. The first thing that anyone involved in real estate investing should understand is that you need to have a great team around you. Real estate lawyers, lenders, inspectors, tradespeople of all sorts. But first and foremost, a real estate agent. Heather and I have an elaborate real estate network at our fingertips of agents who put their customers first and truly know the best plan to get started in real estate investment in your area. If you'd like us to match you up with a great agent in your area, simply go to our website, 
flippingawesomepodcast.com and click on the experts link at the top of the page. Fill out the form and hit submit. We will never sell your information. We're not going to spam you. We will only use the information to connect you with the best possible real estate agent in your area. It's a great place to start. Heather, I recently sat down with Mackenzie Owens in our studio. Mackenzie, at that time, was seven months pregnant and has since given birth to a beautiful baby girl. Mackenzie is a licensed real estate agent in Minnesota with Lakes Area Realty. The reason I wanted to include her interview in this episode is because she truly embodies what we are talking about when we say, let's do this. She's a full-time realtor and a full-time mom, and she has done rehabs, and now she is entering the world of have-and-hold long-term rental real estate. I also like how she makes rehabbing and real estate investment into a family business involving her stepdad, her mother, and her boyfriend. I really appreciate Mackenzie coming into the studio, and I hope you enjoy my talk with her. So Mackenzie, you are a rehabber, right? Yes, so, a rehabber and a realtor. Okay. What interested you most about rehabbing? What got you into that part of the business? You know, um, it was actually a decision between my parents and myself. My stepdad, he's been a contractor for the past 30 plus years. And we thought it would be cool to combine my career with his. And then we also brought my mom into it. She's, um, she's on the design side of it sure. and um, does all the staging. And we thought it would be a cool family venture. So that's what it's been each time. So you're a realtor as well. Yep. So how does that work? You become a realtor. How does that help you or hurt you? A lot of people ask me when they get into rehabbing, do I need to become a realtor? Do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. What's your answer to that? I mean, I don't think that you have to, but it helps a ton. You know, you're more familiar with comps. And a comp is when you're looking at the area, looking at what the price is going to be after the fact. So after you do the rehabbing, you're more familiar with neighborhoods. You might work in a certain area, so you might want to do the rehab or the flip in a certain area. So you certainly don't have to. I, I think a lot of real estate, anybody can study, right, what's going on with the market. Sure. Being a realtor certainly helped out quite a bit. So you were saying before we started that you have two major projects going on right now. You One, you're pregnant, yes. seven months pregnant. Yep, seven so months that pregnant. is a major project. It certainly is, <laughs> bigger than anything else. Right. And then you have uh, another project going on, right? Yep. What is that? So my boyfriend and I just bought our first investment property. It's okay. a duplex, um, up-down duplex. It was built in the 50s, so it's kind of a split-level style mm -hmm. um, in the Shingle Creek neighborhood right on the border of North Minneapolis and Brooklyn Center. Okay. And uh, the, the previous owner had been there for 25 years, so there's lots of work to be done. There were cigarette smokers, so you can just imagine. I mm. mean, the, the ceiling was just yellow with mm -hmm. nicotine. The bathrooms need to be replaced. The kitchen needs to be replaced. We need to get that lower unit rent ready. Mm -hmm. So we're working on that with much haste. You know, we've got sure. a serious got a deadline. deadline. Yep, we've got a serious deadline. So yeah, but it's going pretty smooth. So what, make, what made you decide on that property? Did you get a good deal on the buy side or did you 
think it was a manageable property for the rehab? Kind of what what goes into your thinking when you're thinking about uh, this is the property that we want to rehab and, and mm-hmm. invest in? Absolutely both. So right now in the Twin Cities, um, the multifamily housing market is really, really tight. Mm-hmm. There are not a lot of duplexes. And if there are duplexes, they're being sold at a premium, right? So the, the price was huge. That was a huge factor. We were able to get it for just under 300 wow. With any house that you're going to do renovations on, you go in, you take a look around, you see what needs to be done, what needs to be updated. We always want to stay away from having to reconfigure floor plans or this or that. So we went into the bathrooms. We could see that water was leaking from the second floor bathroom all the way down to the main floor. It was coming through the walls. It was on the ceiling. So we knew we'd have to do some sheetrocking, put in some new tubs, new surrounds. But that's pretty straightforward, you know, especially when you've got a contractor right on your team, right in your family. So we knew that we we knew that those were manageable, basically. So you go into those properties and you see some of the negatives as positives, right? Absolutely. Because you're you're getting at a cheaper price. This is a a problem that might scare away other buyers. Exactly. And yep. you know how to fix it. We know how to fix it. Yeah. And and um like I said, having if if you don't have that contractor, things can be really scary. Mm-hmm. Um but having that as a backup is it's just everything. I mean, it's invaluable. So it sounds like one of your big pieces of advice is have a good contractor, whether they're in your family or not. Whether they're in your family or not, but someone you can trust, you know, because these contractors can be slippery there. Mm -hmm. A lot of them are self-employed. Sure. There's really no one to hold them accountable. A lot of times they don't show up. They might tell you the wrong thing and and you still have to pay them for their work. So you got to have somebody that you can trust and, and that you can consult with. Do you think that a person going into the rehabbing business needs to have a good ability to do it themselves? Um, do they have to have their own contracting abilities or could they, if they found the right contractor, kind of rely on the contractor to do all the heavy work? I really, really would advise that um, they should have contracting abilities themselves or someone that they can rely on. I think going into it and um, watching these rehab shows on television or watching a couple YouTube videos, things add up so, so, so quickly. Right. So if you're just winging it, um, I, I think it's a huge risk, and I, I wouldn't personally recommend it, but, you know, some people are risk takers. Right. So. Tell me a little bit about this house in particular. Um, you said you got it for around 300000 Yep. How do you finance these things? What do you what do? You do put a lot of your own cash down, yep. or do you just get 100% financing? How does that work? Well, on this duplex, yeah, we put 5% down. Okay. Um, so we ended up putting about 20000 down of our own money. Right. You know, this is going to be our own property that we're living in. Um, we did get the sellers to pay the closing costs. Okay. So that was just under 8000 that we otherwise would have had to pay. Mm-hmm. So it would have been closer to thirty. Right. Um, but yeah, conventional loan, 5% down. You know, it was it was all good. And so you're going to rent out the, did you say lower unit the, or upper yep, unit? Yep, the, the lower unit. Okay, you're going to rent out the lower unit. Yep. You're going to, you know, count your rent toward your own investment. Let's say if you were renting out both ends of this mm-hmm. and you have, you know, around two hundred ninety dollars or $280,000 into it, yep. what are you looking for as far as your gross rent that you'd get from that? So if we were renting out both units, yeah. that would be about 3200 bucks. Okay. And that would be uh, the mortgage payment is sixteen eighty. So okay. I mean, one unit just about covers it. Sure. Um, so I, I advocate for for owning a duplex, Absolutely. you know, and, and renting it out. But that's another 
that's another <laughs> um, subject. It's right. another podcast. Well, if we were so, if you were renting out both sides, you know, and then you'd have. Uh, Obviously, there are some utilities that you take care of mm-hmm. as owners, and then there are some utilities that uh, the renters take care of themselves, yep. correct? Yep, okay. absolutely. So we take care of the water and the garbage, water and trash, but all of the utilities are separate. So mm-hmm. their heat, they're going to be paying for that. Their electric, they're going to be paying for that. I think that it's it's a more beneficial when they have to pay their own heat right. because they don't crank it quite as high. Right. So you've done this before, right? Uh, I mean, I know this one is the first one that you're kind of buying as a live-in and and stuff like that. But uh, tell me a little bit about the other projects that you've done. So uh, my family and I have renovated, have flipped two other homes. Okay. Yep. So we're going to buy and, you know, hold and rent this one, but we've done two flips. Sure. So a total of three renovation projects together. How did those other projects go? Um. They went really well. You know, they sold for over asking price. Again, right now, it's a seller's market. It's been that way for about the past three years now. I think it's really satisfying to see that before and after and see the work that was done. We really take pride in our work. Mm -hmm. It's not super high-end stuff. You know, we want to be right in that your typical buyer's 250 range, okay. you know, 250, 300 for your first time home buyers. Sure. So we're not doing really high end, but um, it's good quality work and it's really satisfying to see that. Sure. That end result, you know. Have you made money on all your projects? We have made money on all of our projects. Wow. Not as much money as my stepdad, Joe Total, with Minnesota <laughs> Construction would like. Sure. But I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, sure. we didn't lose any money. Right. So it's it's hard to buy low and sell high right now right. just because of the market. So you're, you're buying high and hoping to and hoping sell to higher. sell higher exactly, <laughs> right. which which you are, but the numbers aren't what they used to be. That's what all the guys in the business tell me. Sure. What's the best thing to do on a rehab? Is it kitchens? Is it bathrooms? Like what what do you look at? Like oh, this is this going wrong here? We could really do a rehab that really worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see any aspect of the rehab that gets you the most return on your investment? Definitely the kitchen. Okay. Definitely the kitchen. That's that's the room that sells the house. People like a lovely kitchen. People like an updated bath. Um, and when you're doing the comps, like I was talking about before, those are really the things that can kind of run up the, the price, the asking price, basically. Updated kitchen, updated bathroom. Um, finished space in the basement to have a family room or an office or something, that's that's really popular too. That's what people are looking for. Sure. So you want to look at that potential with the kitchen. Is it a galley kitchen? Is it really narrow? You know, can you open things up? What can you do to update these? Sure. When things go poorly, what's you what's usually the reason? If you don't make as much money as you expected or even lose money, mm-hmm. what what are the factors that you didn't properly count on? Well, um, I wouldn't say this is us, but just what I've seen Mm -hmm. in my experience. When contractors don't pull permits, you know, on the work that they do, that makes buyers really leery. Mm -hmm. It can make a house sit on the market for longer. When things are obviously cheaply done and they don't take that time and they don't put the money into it and are asking a really astronomical price that just doesn't match the work that was done, um, that can definitely also have houses sitting on the market for longer, you know, and then just pricing it wrong, pricing it too high. If you're banking on the seller's market and, you know, basically just being greedy, you you have to, it has to be within reason, you know, with what's happening in that neighborhood. It can't just be, hey, this is all new. So we're going to charge $100,000 more than really what it's worth. Pulling the contract, it adds safety for the buyer because then the city is going to come in and do an inspection and make sure that the work was properly done. 
Um, and so if people are going to pay a pretty penny for a property, they want to be sure that it was done properly, even if it looks really pretty. Right. Because we know that that stuff can right. look really shiny. But does it function? Right. You know, does it really add value to the house? I think pulling permits and especially if, if the property is in the name of an LLC, mm-hmm. you have to pull permits. I mean, you're right. supposed to. People skip that all the time. Right. But um, it should really just be done everything on the up and up. I think well, it makes buyers feel good. Yeah. And a lot of rehabbers think, well, if I'm doing it myself, I own the house. I can do whatever I want to myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a misnomer. There's many things that even as an owner, yep. you're supposed to get properly permitted. You are. You know, yep. And absolutely. Inspected and yep. as a realtor. The realtor side of your uh, your head, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you you can represent people who are looking to rehab as well. Mm-hmm. So you can use your expertise in having rehabbed to help other people buy rehabs, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Which I have not. I, I haven't had a client specifically say, I want to rehab this house. Sure. But my experience um, and my knowledge with the structures of homes and just rehabbing, it it helps all of my clients, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not just going to walk into a property and say, oh, wow, this is really cute. You know, look at that tile work. Right. I can lend some knowledge to the life that's left on this or how much something like this would cost or if it's feasible to put in a new bathroom, you know, so that that um, it is a lot of value for my clients just having this knowledge, which is great. That makes me really happy to offer that to people. Tell me the ugliest story that happened during a flip. So the ugliest story, and I think probably the worst thing that can happen to anyone at a flip, is your timeline being completely wrong. Sure. Time is money, as we know. Um, So the first house that my folks and I did, we planned on dropping the basement floor so that we could hit the Minneapolis City Code you know, for the the headroom in the Mm -hmm. basement. We wanted to put a bedroom down there. To have a legal bedroom. To have a legal bedroom down there. You got to look up all these codes and be knowledgeable of that. And we had no idea that the dirt below the floor, it was it was clay, so it wasn't like mixed with sand or anything. So there's so much moisture. It was a really, really wet basement. Mm. We had to let it dry out. And then there was a massive tree root that spanned the whole entire basement. It was like the mother of all tree roots. We had to chop that out, you know, let the basement floor dry. So this flip ended up taking a year. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It, it just was things that you don't see. You, you know, you can't see under the floor. You can't see behind the walls when you're just going on a showing, checking out this property. So that's another reason why I say have a contractor, have someone you trust, because there's always going to be things that pop up that you just didn't see coming. But you still made money off that flip. We still made money off that wow. flip. Yeah. That's thank a year. God, thank God for the seller's market. Yeah. That's a year of carrying <laughs> costs. But yeah, I yeah. suppose you had a year of appreciation in there too, right? Exactly. Exactly. And it actually, it ended up working out because um, we would have been done, I don't know, October, November-ish, and we ended up being done in April, which is the spring market. Mackenzie, you have a interesting perspective in the fact that you've not only bought properties for the purposes of rehabbing them and selling them, but now you've also bought a property that you're going to rehab and live in. What different perspectives do you go into the buying process when it's just a rehab versus rehab to live in? For the rehab to live in, I was much more flexible than if we were buying it to flip. I think when you're going to flip, the area is really key. So where we ended up buying is in North Minneapolis, which Mm -hmm. doesn't quite have the same value as South Minneapolis. Sure. But for me, that was okay because we're looking to rent. 
And the rents, believe it or not, are not that far off between North and South Minneapolis, unless you're talking about something in South Minneapolis that's right on a lake. Right. You know, that, exactly. Yeah. Like then you're going to get a lot more. So I found that um, when I was looking for myself, I definitely wanted to keep it under a certain dollar amount because that was just, you know, that was all all of our money. Right. But I did find that I was way more flexible in the area that it was going to be in, you know. And then we'll plan on staying there for a few years and um, just renting it out. Like, it's just going to be a rental, sure. you know. Whereas with a flip, you want to get the most bang for your buck as possible. So you want to do it in the best neighborhood that you can find. Well, Mackenzie Owens, thank you so much for coming in and uh, giving us your perspective on flipping. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks. Appreciate it. From Marshall and myself... Thank you for listening to Flipping Awesome Podcast. Please visit our website at flippingawesomepodcast.com where you can find additional video content of our show and find our links to our social networking sites. And like we mentioned before, you can fill out that simple form and be connected with a real estate agent in your area that is an investment real estate expert to get you started on your journey into investment real estate. Flipping Awesome Podcast is produced and recorded at the studios of Minnesota Podcasting who can be found online at mnpodcasting.com. Until next week, we wish you the very best.